warmly welcome all of you to the London School of Economics. My name is Shevket Pamuk. I am a professor and chair for Contemporary Turkish Studies at LSE. It's a privilege for me to welcome to LSE today Mr. Egemen Bash, Turkey's Minister for EU Affairs and Chief Negotiator. Egemen Bash is also head of the Turkish delegation for EU negotiations. And since 2002, he is a member of the parliament in Turkey representing Istanbul. Egemen Bash was first appointed as state minister for EU affairs and chief negotiator in January 2009. He was appointed as Minister for EU Affairs and Chief Negotiator in July 2011. Until 2009, Mr. Bash was AK Party's Vice Chairman in charge of foreign affairs. As Vice Chairman and a member of AK Party's Central Executive Committee, Bash directed the national and international relations of the party as well as its local organizations on matters regarding foreign policy. He also coordinated the flow of key global developments to the party leadership. Egemen Bash was born in Bingöl, Turkey in 1970. His family originates from the neighboring Siyad province where his late father, Abdullah Bash, served as mayor from 1974 to 1979. Minister Bash holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in Human Resources Management, as well as a Master of Public Administration degree, both from Bernard Baruch College of the City of University of New York. And this is where we first met some years ago. In the 1990s, Minister Bash was the president of the Federation of Turkish American Associations in New York, an umbrella organization. A popular leader, he was the only president in this organization's history who was unanimously re-elected for two terms. Again, it's a great pleasure and a privilege to welcome Minister Egemen Bash to the London School of Economics. Please give a warm welcome to him. If I may just add one thing before a, Mr. Minister begins his remarks. Um, the uh, students with Monet fellowships are kindly requested to stay for a meeting after Minister Baish's departure. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Professor Pamuk. Thank you to all of you for sparing the time to be here to be a part of this discussion. It's my privilege to come back to LSE. It's my second time speaking here. I'm really privileged because as far as I'm concerned, LSE is not one of the best universities of United Kingdom. It's one of the best in the world. I know that fact because I work with many LSE graduates in my ministry and I'm very proud of them. Today, I think we should discuss the future of Europe. 
with future leaders of Europe. Those of you who are studying at LSE today will end up in various different leading roles in the future. And we have to discuss where Europe is going, where it ought to go, and how we can make sure it goes to the right path rather than the wrong one. I think we should discuss LSE's potential. If you look at the world scene today, there are many LSE graduate prime ministers, presidents, world leaders. Therefore, the possibility of addressing some of the future leaders uh, is very high. The fact that you have students from 140 different countries here also is a signal that LSE has what it takes to understand each other, and LSE is the place to be, as you guys put it. I think LSE has already achieved what Europe should achieve. LSE is a cosmopolitan university, and Europe should become a cosmopolitan union. Europe can no longer afford to be a fortress. Europe has to understand that it has to be a multinational, multi-ethnicity, multi-religious, multicultural, multi-oriented union. It has to be cosmopolitan. Unfortunately, European democracies are going through a serious crisis. Mismanagement of the economic and eventually political situation has created a Europe which is not where the founding fathers of European Union wanted it to be. What is European Union? European Union is the grandest peace project of the history of mankind. I sometimes joke with my French colleagues when they oppose Turkey's membership to the EU, my natural question to them is, how come you can digest to live in the same union with the Brits and not with us because none of the wars you had with us were as bloody and as long and as painful as the wars you had with the Brits. If you consider that it was the European Union which put an end to all the wars on this continent, it is the grandest peace project of the history of mankind. That is why Turkey is still interested in joining the Union, despite all the difficulties, despite all the shortcomings, despite all the double standards, all the prejudices, even racism. Because we believe Turkey's membership can turn this continental peace project into a global one. In order to overcome the existing profound crisis of the European integration, we have to develop a cosmopolitan understanding of Europe. That is why it's so important that redefinition of Europe as cosmopolitan society will increase the capacity of EU, not only as a legitimate and democratic power, but also as a global player. European Union represents 500 million people today, 27, soon to be 28 different countries. But does it really have the influence it should have? Can it really play a leading role in influencing international development? I think it's time that Europe understands that this power representing half a billion people, representing 
such a huge economy altogether ought to be better managed. And that better management would only come by putting our prejudices to the side and solve our problems. Problems of this century cannot be solved with remedies of the last century. We have to understand the dynamics of this century. We have to understand what's ahead of us as challenges and come up with solutions. That is why the EU Reflection Group, which challenged the Europe uh, issued uh, a report that uh, says Europe faces today uh, developments that have to do with outsiders' borders. The butterfly effect, which we all heard, is much more apparent today in the international scene. We cannot afford to say, well, what's going on in other parts of the world is other people's problems. Economically, Turkey is booming right now. For the last five years, we are having a, an average of 9% economic growth. We have less than 10% unemployment. Our per capita income has tripled in the last nine years. We've built more roads than ever in the history, more schools, more hospitals, more airports, more water dams. Our exports have tripled. But we cannot afford to say the economic crisis in Europe is a European problem. Because 50% of our bilateral trade is with Europe. 60% of tourists that come to our country and bring around $30 billion per year come from EU. 85% of foreign direct investment in Turkey has come from EU. As a matter of fact, 92% of FDI that came into my country in the last one year came from EU. So what goes around actually comes around. We have to deal with our common problems and we have to create common solutions. And we have to make sure that the solutions are based on win-win platforms. Unfortunately, every time there's an economic crisis, it creates fears, and fears can turn into further prejudices, and can even turn into discrimination, racism. That's why a broader understanding, a cosmopolitan understanding, is much more important than uh, ever. EU is unavoidably multicultural. We're talking of 28 different countries already, many candidate countries with different religions different ethnicities, different languages. So we cannot expect it to be a uniform, but we have to create an understanding and a setting where we enjoy the richness of this union. Therefore, uh, we cannot expect to have a fixed and unchanging notion of European identity. European identity also transforms itself. And this identity is based on this richness. Today, there are around 30 million Muslims living in EU member states. In some countries, like France, more than 10% of the population is already Muslim. So <coughs> the historical argument that Europe should be a Christian club no longer holds true. Historically, opponents of Turkey's membership to you always said Turkey is too Muslim, too big, and too poor. But now the paradigmas have changed. The fact that we're Muslim is actually an advantage because 
Turkey's notion of Islam, the coexistence of culture of Islam with culture of democracy for more than 200 years is a very important message, not only the, to the 30 million Muslims in Europe, but to 1.5 billion Muslims around the world, and actually to 3 billion humans around the globe who feel that they have been isolated and ignored by the West. The fact that Turkey is too big is an advantage for EU right now because at this time of economic crisis, Europe needs big new markets. Within three hours of flying from Istanbul, a European company can reach 1.5 billion consumers who are ready, willing, and financially able to consume their products and services. And the fact that Turkey is too poor is no longer accurate. Turkey is actually doing much better than many EU member countries. Our per capita income has increased, has surpassed eight of the member states already. So the arguments of the last 50 years ago are no longer accurate. Yes, when Turkey applied for the first time back in 1959, our per capita income was $400. Now it's $11,000. Those days we only had 14 universities. Now we have more than 200. In those years, our annual tourism income was around $9 million for the whole country. Today, it's more than $30 billion, and it's growing. Turkey right now is the seventh most popular international tourism destination. And last year, we hosted 32 million tourists, despite the economic crisis. And it's getting better and better. In that aspect, I think uh, Turkey can play a very important role in ensuring that Europe becomes a global player. There are many countries that see Turkey as a source of inspiration. People who risked their lives in the Arab Spring, who demanded democracy, human rights, freedom of speech, better jobs, labor unions, actually look at Turkey and they say, well, look at these Turks. They have all those. They have democracy. They have a government. They have an opposition. They have NGOs. They have free media. They have labor unions. They have a free market economy. They have supply and demand. Why can't we not have the same? Why is Turkey different than countries like Tunisia, Egypt, and Libya, despite living in the same neighborhood, despite having the same culture, despite having the same geography? Because Turkey's most important soft power is her democracy, which is strengthened by its aspirations to become a member of the European Union. So the EU process of Turkey has made Turkey much more democratic, much more transparent, much more self-confident, much more prosperous. Every time some narrow-minded European politicians attack or try to attack Turkey's EU aspirations, they're actually hurting the dreams of hundreds of millions of other people in the Arab Springs who are risking their own lives to bring democracy to their countries. There are many Muslim leaders around the world today who can go to Libya and pray with the local people. There are many Western leaders, including prime minister of this country, who can go to Libya and talk about merits of secular democracy. But there are not too many leaders who can do both. When Turkey's Prime Minister Recep Tayyip Erdogan goes to Cairo at 2 o'clock in the morning, the fact that 20,000 young Egyptians greet him at the airport, and when he goes to Libya after attending a 
Friday prayer, he can come out and speak to 30,000 Libyans and ask them not to be afraid of secularism. I think it's an important message. Because as a devout, pious believer, he can turn and say, look guys, I just prayed with you. I'm as devout as the rest of you, but I'm also running a secular democracy where we have the fastest economic growth in Europe for the last five years. So being secular doesn't mean you have to abandon your religion. Secularism actually ensures practicing your choice of religion as much as you want to practice that religion. It's a very strong message. That once again proves that Turkey is the most eastern part of the West and most western part of the East. Turkey's economic growth, Turkey's dynamism, Turkey's young population is a source of inspiration to the countries to our West. But Turkey's democracy, Turkey's human rights, Turkey's transparency is a source of inspiration to the countries to the east of Turkey. It is the Europeanization process of Turkey. It's the EU reforms that have made Turkey such a strong player. On average, Turkey would receive $1 billion of FDI before 2004. After getting a date to start accession negotiations, that number has been around $17 billion. This shows that this process is economically very important for my country. But looking at the democratic <laughs> attitudes, Professor Pamuk would remember 15 years ago, people of Kurdish origin would be afraid to admit their Kurdish identity in Turkey. But today we have 24 hours of Kurdish broadcasting on state television. Now prisoners can talk to their visiting mothers in their native tongue and politicians can actually campaign in various different languages in my country. Since the founder of the Republic, Kemal Atatürk, for the first time, my country has seen a president who has visited a place of worship of the Alawite community. The Greek Orthodox community of Turkey held religious services at Sumala Monastery in Trabzon, the Black Sea coast, after a gap of 88 years. The Armenian community held religious services in the historical Akdamar church after a gap of 112 years. When some European leaders were trying to deport their own citizens of Roma origin here in Europe in 21st century, my prime minister last year gathered with 20,000 Turkish citizens of Roma origin and announced new housing projects and educational programs for them. The property rights of some of the religious foundations of various different religions, which had not been resolved since 1930s, were resolved this past August. I'm not claiming that Turkey is perfect and we don't have any problems anymore, but I can easily claim with full confidence that today's Turkey is much more transparent, much more democratic, much more prosperous, much more self-confident, much better than yesterday's Turkey. And I can assure you tomorrow's Turkey will be much better than today's Turkey because we have a program. As far as I'm concerned, EU is Turkey's dietitian. And all of us know for a fact that in order to lead a healthy life, you need to watch what you eat and you need to exercise regularly. But usually when a dietitian gives you a prescription of what to do, what not to do, what to eat, what not to eat, and when you implement that, you become a healthier person. Turkey is implementing the EU prescription, which is called the IQ. The fact that the dietitian himself, the fact that Europe 
is overweight, is moody, has a few clogged arteries, doesn't make the prescription bad. The prescription is still the best around. That is why we're determined to implement our own program, make Turkey a better place, and we believe that the historical question of this visionary cosmopolitan Europe would come with Turkey's membership. So a new Europe is possible with Turkey in it. And Turkey would make Europe much more cosmopolitan, much more prosperous, much more self-confident, and a greater global player. That is why the question that Turkey's membership will definitely change EU for the better. And this question is not a question of if anymore, it's a question of when. It'll eventually happen. Yes, EU will be economically competitive, socially peaceful, and geopolitically assertive. That is why, despite all the difficulties, we will continue on this process. And everyone should know, Turkey is not coming to become an additional burden on the EU, but Turkey is coming, as my Prime Minister always puts it, to take away some of the existing burdens from the EU. That's why we are implementing a new slogan in our process, which is, hold on tight, Europe, Turkey is coming to your rescue. <laughs> Turkey's membership will not downsize the slice, but will enlarge the cake itself. That is the new concept that future leaders of Europe should start thinking on and carry on the message. Today's Turkey can be very influential and helpful to Europe. Europe needs new markets. Turkey can help on that. Europe has an emerging energy crisis. 70% of the energy resources that Europe needs are either to the south, north, or east of Turkey. Unless somebody comes up with a new technology of wireless transfer of energy resources, Turkey's cooperation is a must. But we cannot open the chapter on energy in our EU negotiations because one member state, which enjoys beautiful Mediterranean sun, doesn't have an energy crisis, has blocked that chapter. That's an oxymoron. It is time that Europe puts an end to this stupid concept of unanimity and make decisions based on Europe's interests rather than letting some member states hijack, take hostage the interests of 500 million Europeans. So um, Turkey's cosmopolitan attitude to global challenges can help Europe become a cosmopolitan union, and Europe with Turkey would be a better continent, better union, and better place to raise our mutual kids. With those thoughts in mind, let's turn this monologue into a dialogue. I want to hear from you guys and respond to your questions and listen to your criticism. Thank you for having me.